I'm Isabella. And this is Belly, and welcome back. We've missed you guys. I know, it's been too long. So, by the way, we're recording this on November 5th. Yeah. Thursday? Yes, today's yeah, Thursday. Thursday. So, we're gonna, you know, we can't avoid the elephant in the room. Right. You know, which is the election that still hasn't been... Election week? Yes, election, election day. <laughs> that still hasn't freaking been decided. Right. Freaking Arizona. And, and Nevada, Nevada. And Georgia. And North Carolina. And Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania. <laughs> and then Alaska, but we all know Alaska. Yeah, like, we all um, know. Anyway. I for, I, honestly, I forget that's a state. Alaska. Oh yeah. my gosh, no. Alaska's really beautiful. Okay, obviously, we voted blue. <laughs> obviously um but if you did vote red please still listen <laughs> please still listen besides the point how are you how are you feeling about election week um how's it been affecting your day-by-day life your sleep schedule your eating schedule everything <laughs> so it's affected mine <laughs> yeah so i am the type of person that all throughout college have slept eight hours a night i could have exams i could have papers to do i've never like been one to like pull all-nighters or sleep at like 3 a.m nope i must sleep at like 10 11 wake up at 7 8 literally me no i know but like (laughs) literally all of college but like when i tell you this election so election night tuesday i was up till two no i mean like i was watching the news till like one but like till i get to bed you know self uh, like skincare all that stuff it's 2 a.m what was it wednesday again been said till one it was i watched the news till like 12 30 but then i went to bed by 1 30 tonight i'm probably gonna do the same thing because these states don't release their freaking <laughs> like counted stuff you know mm-hmm. yeah well i already have a bad sleep schedule um so i don't think my well i tried getting better <laughs> my getting better sleeping at midnight but um yeah i've been sleeping at like one two i don't know if i slept three I probably did, but jeez, um, yeah, I have not been on track with my homework. Like, obviously, I haven't submitted anything late, but if y'all see my schedule or my agenda, everything's been crossed off. I've been pushing everything like back because I just cannot focus. Like, I will, let's say, I sit down and do a homework assignment, and the first thing I'll do is grab my phone, open the New York Times to see what's going on. Or, like, put on the news, mm-hmm. ABC News, and I'm like, <sighs> and I'm like, you know what? This is mentally exhausting. Let me go on TikTok. Absolutely. Let me watch TV. Let me watch The Office. Let me go do something to distract myself. So, this has been a great week. <laughs> yeah. And, like, to add to that, school feels so pointless. For real. I don't think anybody's human body is able to be this stressed right. for these many days in a row like what we're going through as a nation either red or blue like because you know it's so close both both this stress Mm -hmm. is not normal (laughs) and i'm like concerned about everybody's cortisol levels if you know what cortisol does to you the (laughs) long-term effects bro i mean obviously a week isn't a long-term effect but like it'll affect something it'll affect something my epigenetics are getting all messed up (laughs) but uh back to like normal people talk yeah, this is insane. I just can't wait till it's over, <laughs> till we can move on with our lives. Obviously, me and Belly hope for a, a Biden presidency, but we both do realize that this is not, that's not the end. Like, just because Biden becomes president doesn't mean everything's gonna be fixed. Just like when Obama became president. Right. Literally, literally what changed. Anyway, the Senate is gonna be red, probably. Right. So, 
<laughs> we're gonna need a lot of work but moving on this is just a great way to start our um season that we're dedicating to the black lives matter movement i think growing up i think belly agree or not i think we growing up brazilian and also in very diverse cities i grew up in everett belly grew up in malden and it just seemed obvious that like duh like racism is a thing duh black lives do matter like to me it's kind of insane that like we still need to keep having these uproars like right um well but like not to cut you off um mm-hmm. i just want to add that even though i was raised in mass um and in malden which is like diverse there's only so much diversity to it there was a lot of racism in my high school um me personally i think like because i am white um obviously i don't think i was exposed to it as much and i i think i only really started getting educated about these things when i got to college so that i think that even makes it worse because you know my city is claimed to be very diverse and like accepting etc and then i get to college and i'm like wow like i didn't learn any of these things in high school which proves to show like how flawed the system is and i can't even imagine like a predominantly white mm-hmm. city how it is for them because even in a diverse you know city like there was a lot a lot of discrimination and racism and all these things so no, yeah i see what you're saying ugh, it's but like what i'm saying is like to us it's it's not even up for discussion, black lives matter. Right, right, that's, right. That's what I meant, like, growing up the way that we grew up. They just matter, like, the debate for all lives matter, that makes no sense to me. Like, if all lives matter, then black lives should, should matter. matter. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I brought up our past, is because it just felt like we should do this season, not because of the uproar, uproar over the summer, but because it's, it's, it's an important topic. I mean, the fact that it's controversial... Is ridiculous. Is terrifying. It scares me. I have literally had arguments about this, and I can't believe that I have to. I mean, and there are some people who are clueless and do say all lives matter and are trying to be supportive of Black Lives Matter, but people have to understand that yes, all lives do matter. Yes, let's start with that. They do matter, but that's not the point. The point white, is white people are not being targeted because of their skin. Let's start with that. Yeah. So. The point is, we are trying to, for, like, the past, like, so many years, we're just trying, Black Lives Matter is really focusing on black people need to have the same rights as white people. They need to be treated the same way as white people. And, you know, saying all lives matter is countering Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's really challenging that when it shouldn't be. Yeah, like, to break it down, when people do campaigns for breast cancer... It's not that other cancers don't matter. It's that, right. let's say, breast cancer has a high incidence rate or high prevalence rate. Like, right. It's just this group, this population, this race is suffering. And not just suffering, they're suffering because of white people and their oppressors and, at least in America, 400 years of just being disenfranchised and be- being slaves, being raped, being hurt. I don't know. It's just... There, it's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it I mean, never ends. So, and we're not even educated fully oh, about. No. What I took happened. like what one class about the history of America in college, 
belly also is it, is, I'm, is this semester your first time taking a class in FRAM? Yeah, this is my first semester taking a class at FRAM. Um, I do plan on making it a minor, hey. only because I'm a double major and other things. If I, I literally, if I could, if I was exposed to this earlier, I would probably try to make my major like gender study or mm. woman study um afro am something like that but it's fine it's fine i'm already junior and i do love science so <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i am learning so many different things and this is just an intro class yes it's a awesome. hundred level so i can't imagine how much more i would learn about and i it's brutal i mean reading certain things really mm-hmm. hurts yeah it hurts and i can't I mean, as a white woman, I can't imagine yeah. what, it, and what gro- it's like. And growing up and being educated in America, like, they... They really cover they, it up. They cover it up. They whitewash um, black history. They hide it. Like, we can't I even mean, fathom. The, f- like, the fact that we just made Columbus Day Indigenous People Day. Like, it's not even fa- a federal holiday yet. Like, the, f- like, it... Yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's not but even black people, but you I'm know. just, but I'm just, you know, Exa- I did exactly. learn it. You're right. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> but enough about us and like how we feel about the Black Lives Matter movement. We want to introduce our guest, our Ivan. First guest. Our first guest to the season, Ivan Rosario. He, I met him as a, so I was in house counsel my sophomore year. Obviously, I go to UMass Amherst, and they have a building in Washington. I lived in Washington, and then I joined House Council because right. I wanted to become an RA. Ivan kind of ran House Council, as you'll learn. Like he's very chill, laid back, so it was a mm-hmm. it was great. And I told him like, "Hey, Ivan, like I really want to come an RA. Like, could you help me out?" And mm-hmm. he's like, "Yeah, like I'll write you a rec letter, and you know, like I do the hiring. I I could help you out, and like right." get you, like basically get me a job but you know obviously i had to go through the interview process he obviously had to vet me to make sure i, I was fit for the job like he wouldn't he wasn't just gonna pick me just right. because i just because you said it just because i just because he knew me he right i need to go i needed to go through the process anyway he became my boss for a year and was supposed to be my boss but i got fired four days before starting the job yes and then i brought belly in helped her get hired but you know umass amherst does will not I care ever, will i ever be an ra is the question but but anyway, that's how I met <laughs> Ivan, and he is, uh, as you'll learn, he's getting his PhD. He's so pursuing he- his PhD in history and politics, but he is focusing or has a concentration in entertainment or forms of entertainment that can be used as a social tool for the exploitation and de- degradation of black people. Yes. Or black culture. Um, we will talk about that later on, but... Yes, you'll learn about his story, how he got to where he is, and even some controversial hot topic views that he has about society which is really interesting but that's the point of this podcast is so people can share their views right so you know we're not trying to constrain it only to what we believe like we want to give the platform to people who are going to have different opinions than us and who are going to have you know their own thoughts so just as another disclaimer (laughs) another disclaimer that we always. always carry People that we interviewed, their views are not Isavision's Vision's views, they're not Belly's views, they're not my views. Right. But they could be. I mean, but they we're could not, be. We're not going to claim that. But because that's it, not the point of our podcast. Exactly. We want to give people their voices and we're just here to ask some questions and let them speak for themselves. You know, once we have some episodes that we talk, obviously we do claim those opinions, but... Like the mental health, we obviously shared our own personal story. But this season is, I mean, we are white. 
woman and yeah. we do not have a say in this. We're trying to talk the least as possible and really just give the platform right. to the people that we're interviewing. Right. So, yeah. So stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to jump in our first question, super basic. So just tell us about yourself and that can be like your age, background, education, et cetera, et cetera. And feel free to add anything that you want to add. Mm-hmm. When you say background, what do you... Like how you grew you up, where... Oh, uh, okay, from, gotcha. Your, your story. Yes, your story. <laughs> I don't know if we got time for that. But, um, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my name is Ivan. I am born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, I am 33 now. I'm about to say 32. 33. Um, I grew up. Um, I'm the oldest of 11 children. Oh wow! So have a pretty big family. My mom is one of 10 as well. So like we're huge. Um, but um, yeah, big family. Always like connected things like that. Um, didn't grow up like community oriented so much. Might have played like sports and things like that, like the local community centers and things like that. Um, yeah, and just ran the streets a lot and just had a bunch of fun. So that was when you yeah. were younger. And like, what about when yeah. you started getting older and like high school age, um, college aged? Um, I would say college age when I would consider myself maybe getting older. Um, like, because in high school, I never really thought about college. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was a. Uh, a varsity athlete like all four years but I never thought about going to college because Mm -hmm. that just wasn't what people around me were doing we just played sports because that's what we knew how to do Mm -hmm. um so in high school I just was trying to finish high school and then um work really um and then I had a ton of different jobs I've been working since I was my first job as a paper while like 12 so I've been working probably 20 years 21 years different like any job you could think of I probably had um and then I got I started my freshman year as an undergrad when I was 21 Mm -hmm. so um that kind of was like a transition and so what transitional phase what made you like want to go to college like after working being in the workforce for about three four years um I didn't really want to go to college actually um I the second time I was arrested, I had a charge. I was arrested with an uncle of mine and we were arrested for trafficking 250 or more grams of cocaine. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at 20, 30 years um, in prison. He, He's like, I'm 33. He's about eight or nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So what we ended up doing when we were going through that situation, um, we took it to trial and then he ended up um, um, making up like a plea deal. Um, Him and the judge agreed on terms. And part of his deal was that instead of us going to trial and like facing the 20 years, he would um, cop out to eight years in one day, which is a weird one day thing. Um, Eight years, one day. And then part of that plea deal was that um, I would pursue some sort of education. And then like, that's how like I started at the university. And like, um, when I started at the university, I was really like, didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was like four four years out of high school. 
Um, I never took high school serious. I just played sports and got through. Like we didn't really need, we only needed like a art, like the, the GPA to play sports was a, we needed a 1.67. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So like I was, I was playing sports with like all C's and an F or all C's and two D's. You know, it was, it wasn't like we were into the academic side of any of it or even being pushed that way. So when, when I got into Westfield um, in 2008, I kind of was lost. Like, I honestly felt stupid. I was in, I was with like, you know, uh, people that were 17, 18, fresh out of high school, fresh out of English class, all these different things. So like having to read mm-hmm. um, and write and all those things was like, I don't know, I felt kind of like um, out of place because like I said, um, even growing up, like throughout grade school and things like that, I never really like read a book. Like I knew, like I know how to read, but like as far as like assignments and needing to read books, you know, growing up, everybody used like spark notes or things yeah. like that. So we didn't really have to get through nothing. So as far as like finishing assignments and actually um, like like learning, it, it, like none of that was there until I went into Westfield. And mm-hmm. then like I would write papers and um and and things like that and I would get the comments and the feedback from like professors and things like that and it was like it was just like a big no (laughs) um so like that was you know a whole difficult process in itself um and then I while at Westfield I ended up meeting some professors in the ethnic and gender studies department and um they actually um made me like take a whole nother path in life because like when I first started um, at Westfield, I was a criminal justice major. Westfield is like a big criminal justice school. And um, like, you know, I, I go into there, I'm like, you know, you know I'm going to do criminal justice. Um, you know, me, like I said, coming from, um, you know, the neighborhood and things like that, you know, being affiliated in the streets. I was like, yeah, I'm about, you know, and then like watching like cop shows and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm about to be busting people. I'm about to be taking shit from people. I'm, oh my you know, gosh. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, listen, I'm about to, I'm about to turn this into something different. And then honestly, um, my freshman year, I got through all of my criminal justice classes without purchasing a textbook. Um, yes, and, finesse the system. And and, and, and like and, and that that for me was like, you know, like like I felt like I wasn't learning in mm-hmm. a sense. You know, to be a college student, I felt like I should have been learning and I wasn't learning. And then experiences in that class, like uh, um, it was, you know, predominantly white school. So like it was either me or maybe another uh, black or brown person. And like Westfield is so close to Springfield that when like whenever they would talk about, um, you know, like, you know, like crime in the area or things like that, like like they would look at me for like this uh answer or you know want my feedback on certain things like that yeah and um I just felt again like I was like all right this is definitely not for me so then I left that and I ended up doing political science um and I had an interesting experience in political science that made me end up getting into education and then I got into education and then um I ended up just focusing on, um, at the time, to like, so my first three years at Westfield, ethnic and gender studies was not a major. It was only a minor. It was called multicultural education or something like that. Um, and it was a minor, but I was like, I was like, forget it. Like if I have to take all these classes and not get a degree at the end of the day, and I was still learning things, 
it was stuff I felt like I could apply like in my life. So I was like, I'll just do that. You know, the loans are already there. So I'm like, I got to pay them back anyway. So I was like, I'll do that. But at the the, um, the spring semester of my junior year, um, EGST ended up becoming, um, ended up getting accredited to become a major. And we had like six or seven major, um, um, like majors at the time. So it was like a big deal. And we were like all excited. So like we started to build the major um, that way. Um, and then that, like the things I was learning around like history, politics, like it basically was like a, a big, like it took the criminal justice and the education and the political science, like it took those majors and it put everything into one and it taught it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it was like, okay, like this is where I want to be because I'm not put looked at as an example. Um, you know, like, like the way it was taught, the angle, like the narrative was specifically different. Like the first book I had to read in there was uh, People's History of, of the United States, Howard Zinn. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but that book is like, like a Bible. It's like thick, it's so in depth. And it like, it starts from 1492 and it brings you through, um, I think the last chapter was like Bill Clinton at the time or something like that. And it brought you right into like, you know, like, like, like more of a modern time and like talked about history from the perspective of the oppressed people. Um, and like that kind of just like changed, changed my whole views mm-hmm. on like a lot of stuff. And then those professors at Westfield, like I said, they met that I met and they were really, um, they, they kind of, like, you know, not kind of, but they really, they, they, they treated me like, um, like a person. It wasn't like um, they were there. They wanted to just get me, keep moving or whatever. So like, they even walked me through the process of like, um, um, of like um, getting my quarry sealed and things like that and helping me with certain things. Cause I've been, I was getting rejected from jobs and things like that. And so, so once they helped me, it was like, everything just took a whole nother turn. Yeah, that's awesome that they didn't treat you like a case study. They yeah. were really invested in your life outside of school, outside of what you could offer because of your experience. But they wanted to make sure once you left college, you were able to be yeah. a you know productive person. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Are 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 you too familiar with the book? Um, what's Robin's book? Um, White Fragility. I've heard yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. My so my neighbor the, just bought it. The, the the lady who wrote that book, Robin De- Doctor Robin D'Angelo, she was a mentor of mine at Westfield. She was at Westfield oh, wow. for a couple of years, and then she went on sabbatical, and then she wrote her two books, and then she, wow, and just like That's took off from there. Awesome. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with her? Um, like through like through social media and emails. Really, she's like she moved back. She's from um, Seattle, so she okay. moved back across the country. Um, so she's back over there doing her thing. Cool. That's so awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, like you said, you got your BA in ethics and gender. And then mm-hmm. what brought you to pursue a PhD in history and politics? Like what was the process and how did you get there? And by the way, like we know this because we did Google you and we saw <laughs> <laughs> we saw that you're interested in focusing on the use of hip hop sports and other yeah. forms of entertainment and also like <laughs> you wanted to pursue education not just because of yeah. the terms anymore right yeah yeah so that 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 was over um when when um what's his name when mike brown was murdered um mm-hmm. i was hanging out with a group of friends of mine and like you know like you know how like when like um um brianna taylor and and floyd just recently passed away mm-hmm. um like like the same energy that that brought the, yep. the trayvon um trayvon martin and, and mike brown they kind of you know, had the same energy. And 
when the Mike Brown happened, we were hanging out and, you know, a bunch of buddies and I, I just randomly, you know, I was like, I was like, yo, we should uh, rent a van, a minivan and drive to Ferguson. And um, everybody looked at me like, you crazy, motherfucker. I'm like, nah, for real. So like I, I took out a hundred dollar bill. It was like a good 10 of us. So I was like, I was like at least seven of us. I said, we all put a hundred bucks. We can get a, um, we can get a minivan, seven passenger. I said, and we can just stay in a motel or something. Cause we gonna, we're not going to be in the hotel. We're just going to be there for, you know, to be able to be there if we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, no, nah, you crazy. I put the hundred dollars on the table. And when I did that, three other people put a hundred dollars on the table. So mm-hmm. I picked it up like instantly. And I was like, so I went, I'm online, like booking uh, a rental car and a, um, in a hotel or whatever. So I'm like, and like, they like a national call to come to, um, to Ferguson. So we ended up, I was like, yo, this is the date. We're going to drive out. It takes seven. So I broke it all down. So two other people was like, I get paid Friday. So I'll give it to you on Friday. So I was like, perfect. So we ended up driving out to uh, Ferguson and we were there for like, maybe like three, four days. And um, that experience um, kind of got me into being like, okay, like I, I think I should further into um, graduate school because I, um, when I was there, I met a, um, a young man, he's my age, but he, we were young at the time. His name was Darren Seals. He, he, re, he, he was murdered actually, like after everything. Um, like a whole conspiracy like the police said he was like he got he was shot in his head and his car was set on fire um and like the police were saying it was like street street related and like us from the streets is like that's not we don't do that in the street we don't like set people's cars on fire and so like there's like a whole thing like they think that the the police system out in ferguson actually attacked him as well mm-hmm. and um because he was really loud vocal this was like when trump was first being elected he was at trump rallies and they like like um missouri was like uh like you know like a hothead yeah like um, he was being targeted yeah yeah so um him i, I still have the recording of him speaking and like they, they were like professionals talking and he walked up on a stage and he took the microphone from him and everybody was trying to like was trying to like stop him and he was like nah he was like this is us he was like y'all hear all these cameras and all this other stuff and he was like when this is dead he was like we gonna still be here like y'all gonna be gone, y'all gonna be doing this, and then, so he started talking to the people of Ferguson, and he was like, you know, he you know gave a little bit of a, of his background, and he was like, listen, he's like, I'm willing to put you know this amount of money every month into a pot for us to be able to start doing things for our kids, our nieces, our nephews, and then like hearing him and being around him and that energy, um, kind of just was like a lot. And it was a lot, and then I knew that having a bachelor's degree that everybody around me don't have that opportunity. And so I was like, maybe there's an opportunity for me to further that. And so that maybe I could be in a, a position to where, you know, we could create something or get something um, moving or whatever. Um, yeah. So like doing that, it was really like, oh, so when I came back home um, again, like education was my best thing. I didn't like writing and all that other stuff. So I was like, um, I want to go to grad school, but what can I do? And all these schools wanted uh, GREs and everything. And I was just like, there has to be schools with no GRE requirements. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I, I did that search and Afro-M. Um, and I didn't want to do nothing other than Black studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I want to do this type of a study specifically. Um, so Afro-M, I came across them. I knew some mentors from Westfield that went there and that knew Dr. Bracey and all the people that were affiliated with it. And I was just like, perfect. So I was rejected from graduate school. No, <laughs> uh, I applied for my master's. I was rejected. 
um, one of my mentors, Dr. Kamal Ali, I love praise Dr. Kamal Ali. He, <laughs> he called me and was like, I'm coming to pick you up. This, this, this dude came to my house, picked me up. We drove to Amherst, to New Africa house. I'd never been there before, none, nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a culture this, shock. No, we walk into this building and Dr. Ali goes into the, into the uh, in office and speaks to the secretary like, where's Dr. Bracey at? Dr. Bracey wasn't around. And um, so Dr. Kamal was like, uh, call him. Like, you know, I don't have his, his number and I'll give him a call. They called, picked the phone. Dr. Bracey's like, oh, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Dr. Bracey, and, and, and like these, these men are in their 70s, like the, the back end of their 70s, you know, and they're, they're like, when they see each other, they're energetic and vibrant and they're like, oh, so they explain everything. So I'm sitting with Dr. Bracey and when I came back from Ferguson, I started a nonprofit organization. So I was doing a lot of community, community stuff. I was raising money, doing like uh, college tours with the kids, um, different programs and putting on like learning um, you know, just different things for them and stuff like that. So I have my portfolio of, you know, like how, how I did all my fundraising, how much I raised, the different things I did. So Dr. Brace is looking at my organization, at my portfolio, and he's like, you did all this by yourself? And I was like, yeah. I was like, literally, like, nobody helped me do nothing other than people at their job trying to sell Krispy Kreme donuts or something. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, he's like, wow. He was like, he was like, he said, we have so many people who in graduate school who have the academic piece but nobody has the field work piece of it. He was like, you belong here regardless of what you're writing or anything was like. Um, so he was like, give me a, a while and I'll get back to you. And then like a week or so, I got an email from the, um, I don't know if it was the chancellor or the, somewhere. And he was just like, we apologize for the confusion. If you would like to uh, still be a student in the African department, we would love to have you part of the program. Uh, so then I, I was like, hell yeah, like, why not? So then I did that. And then ever since then, I just like kind of took off and like been learning because like I, I didn't I didn't know really that like I'm still learning grad school. I don't really know the process. I'm, this is my fifth year now. Um, and it's just really like um, just learning everything and figuring out like how the process works, like how to stay focused on what it is. And then um, then I learned that, oh, I can focus on what I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. And for me. For me, hip hop music and hip hop culture has always been that. My parents were both born in uh, uh, 1969, 1970, so they were raised in 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 the 80s when hip hop was booming and like that's their thing. So growing up, you know, listening to music or out in the car, it was always LL Cool J, Run DMC, Rakim. It was all these different artists, and I and I was learning from them because they were talking about you know science and math and and street culture and fashion and just so much and I was you know like I remember like always having conversations just like people say watch tv and music anyway you know like you have those conversations with your friends and family and and you build on them so I was like yo like hip-hop is education so I started learning about hip-hop pedagogy and all of that you know you did the hip-hop class and whatever so it was like I ended up realizing like oh like they didn't know what pedagogy was and none of that yeah. stuff so I'm like it's like oh okay I get it so then it's like oh people are doing this stuff and then it's like okay now I got to figure out a way how to make this specifically for me, you know what I mean? So I could focus and, and fine tune it, you know, to the best of what I like. So that's how I ended up here. And now I'm trying to figure out, so like I'm done with coursework, mm -hmm. but I haven't figured out what I'm going to do my dissertation on. <laughs> the <laughs> hardest so, part. Oh yeah, my gosh. So it's like, I have all these different, um, I have all these different um, ideas and things I want to do. 
but it's just like focus, like just stay, like just do, like you could do all that later. It's like just do something to get through this process, mm-hmm. and then you could build on it or whatever. So I'm still trying to like fine tune that and like get get that out the way. But I'm giving myself two more years, and then I'm hopefully I should be good. <laughs> what a dissertation in Afro Am? Would that do you have to like research, or can you do your own thing? Like, how does that work? It's you do your own thing, but you have to have the the research aspect of it. So it's kind of like creating like a thesis. Mm-hmm. basically but we don't have to create a thesis and for our masters we just finish the coursework but basically uh what we have to do is create an argument you know um or like a thesis and then see what else is out there mm-hmm. and then use those works to for us to um formulate our own to make sure we're not using you know what i mean not like basically using what somebody's already arguing like to elaborate on it a little bit more or to make it our own and then we have to do the research aspect of it as far as um, interviews with people and um, or maybe just like gathering of materials. Like um, I have to do an exam, which is called um, the qualifying exam. And we basically have to get like 25 to 30 books. And then we have to basically give like a paragraph or so of like why this book will be mm-hmm. used. Um, inside of our argument or in our dissertation. Mm-hmm. And part of being a, a PhD student, you have to teach at UMass Amherst. Like, so what is it like teaching yeah. at a majority white school, especially like something that's about Black culture? So that part for me originally, like when I first started, I was like, I really didn't care for it. I was like, these white kids don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but then like having the experience and learning that like, you know, like I, I've, I've had students, I have 60, 70 students in some classes. Then I've had some class where they were only 20, 30 students. So um, for me, what it is, is like, I personally tend to write, to write white people off from the beginning. And then like, they have to, um, so like, I don't just give them the benefit of the doubt like I would do other people. So they have to kind of like, prove themselves in a way yeah. to, to me like they, I don't, I don't like blame you though feel comfortable or or whatever right. so as 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 an instructor I don't say professor because there's levels to this but as an instructor um I definitely approach it where I just let um I give the material like like I like the first day the first two three weeks I come in and like I'll give my personality I'll let them know before I teach like this is how I am I'm very loose with my mouth um, I might use profanity from now and then. I'm like, if those type of things offend you or whatever, like you can come speak to me or you, you know, give them an opportunity. And then from there, I kind of just give the, you know, um, I, I try to make it a creative and fun, interactive um, thing for them. So then after two or three classes, you get a feel for the, for the students. Cause you figure about two classes, it's, it's ad drop anyway. So you'll know who's going to drop, who's going to stay, who's going to have certain type of vibes or who's, trying to be a certain way but you know so you'll 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 learn so for me it was just like letting giving everybody that like clean slate and then not having coming in with like prejudices with certain people because you mess around and be like I'm going to give the black students the benefit of the doubt and you get 10 football players in your class and one of them only takes academics seriously and the rest of them are like 
you know, nonchalant, come in when they want, right. um, say sorry, you know, so it's like, it's these different dynamics of people. And it's like giving people, just letting everybody come in on that slate and then moving forward from there. Like, but I, I definitely get times where I feel like I have students and like, I teach things like hip hop, you know, and last year I did uh, history of civil rights, which is interesting, but like um, specifically teaching hip hop at UMass, that has been interesting because I feel like you get a lot of um, uh, microaggressions. You know, you get people to be like, hey bro, like, like, hey, like, did you listen to this? And like, like feel like they gotta talk to me and, and have certain mannerisms and movements. And it's like, you can just talk to me like you would you know, like your roommate or somebody, you don't have to like come to me with like this sound in your voice or a certain language or a bop in your step. Like it's, <laughs> it's just too much, you know? And then I have the, the dreads. And so people always have this assumption of like, of me. So mm -hmm. I, I try not to like come out and be like, let me give people that back in a way. Mm -hmm. But like, like we were saying in the beginning, I don't blame you for like, being weary of white people just because like of the microaggression that you do experience right. but it's yeah. cool that you still like try to give everybody a blank slate and then they can decide for themselves like yeah if they take class or not um but yeah yeah for sure I think another also working there because I work not just in a class I work in uh, uh I work in, in in like campus living and things like that so like that's another um avenue so for me specifically like like all the campus staff at a at a PWI is going to be white white Mostly, men yeah. white women. Right. Yeah, you know, like like a good 90 95% of it. So like as someone who has um um who does interviews and I have access to like read people's files and things like that, uh one thing I try to specifically um look for are people um who who like identify as something other than white. Um, and it's not like, I'm like, oh, they're, they're black or they're Latino. I'm going to hire them instantly. Like you still have to go through that process of like, you know, who, who's a good candidate, who's not a good candidate or whatever. But, but I know that the other 30 colleagues of mine are going to go after the Sally's and the Caleb's and the, you know what I mean? So it's like, so it's like, I'm going to look for uh, specific last names and specific first names or, and then try to give those students the benefit of the doubt or at least put them on the list because if because you you know you you you've worked in that capacity so mm -hmm. it's like if like if this person don't get it then this person could get it or this person could get it so it was like even if I think like you know a certain candidate is better than these these other candidates I still try to put them on the list so that they're in the rotation of at least you know possibly possibly being able to get hired um yeah. and things like that yeah I mean, that makes sense to me. It's like you're giving someone a chance that probably wouldn't get the chance. Yeah, because of, yeah. of society, the way we have prejudice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's like everywhere. I'm yeah. Sure. And I mean, just res life. That's literally everywhere. Yeah. 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 We want to ask you how you want to use your background and education in the future, um, whether it be your future career or with your family or just really anything, whatever comes to mind. Um. So there's multiple, like I said, I'm all over the place with even just like learning, but like there's multiple things. I definitely want to have my own um, school mm. or community center. I would say school or community center. I say community center because it's a little bit more lax 
rather than all these different um, whatever. But I want to prepare children um, to to I want to prepare children to um, to basically pass all the state requirements to get the diploma. But I want to be able to educate them in a way that reflects their interests and that reflects their their backgrounds and things they you know how, their identity and things like that. Like I remember watching a TED talk once and this little this little boy he loves skateboarding like he does homeschool and everything is associated with like skateboarding. So the maps and everything. So it was just like um, after seeing that I was like oh I could really like twist things up. So like that's that's really one thing I want to do as far as like community wise. Um. I'm a very big weed enthusiast as well. So like, I wanna also have like a weed lounge, like instead of a hookah lounge, I wanna have a lounge where people can come in and like, and like smoke and chill and like get like, maybe like spoken word or lectures or guest speakers or performances. And like, I wanna have like a lounge space like that, that, that specifically incorporates marijuana. Um, and cause I feel like just like, like I said, my background, my experiences, people I know, the community, things like that. Like, I, I think that is like needed. I even joked with a friend once. I said, yo, we should open a homeschool so we can get everybody GEDs, but get all that. Because like a lot of kids drop out of high school. I'm like, but if we let people come to school and smoke their L's in class, I'm like, you know how many people we were like getting school, like into it? You'll be out. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm just like, we have to find creative, fun, ways like to engage with people because these traditional things aren't aren't working like you guys said you've seen like sports and entertainment and like like I'm really trying to find ways like how we can use all forms of entertainment because I feel like entertainment can be like put into the curriculum instead of reading like of mice and man and huckleberry (laughs) Finn and you know just all these things that aren't relevant to our lives that we really don't need um I want to be able to create like a curriculum or like classes or things for people to be like to learn in non-traditional ways right and if we're like to for it to stick because like I did not I literally did not read right I did not read um and mice and men was was that the name of it whatever yeah Yeah. I did not read it I just spark noted it and I got I collected my a but asked me it was sticked nothing what was was the importance of all that right The, the, the only book I read in high school uh, from from front to back was uh, Fahrenheit 451, and yeah, like yeah. I, I honestly think it was like because of like like the content, like what was going on in that book, and I was like, yo, these motherfuckers is crazy. Like <laughs> it was just like really like just people taking over like a society. Yeah. And like here I am, you know, 16 years. You know, I sound, I sound old saying I'm not in high school. 16 years. <laughs> yeah, right. but like also like since you do like are now working towards your PhD. How does that change? Like how you talk about race with your son from your comparing it to your parents? Like, um, and how they... my parents, I never, I never really talked about race. Mm-hmm. If we talked about race growing up, it was like white people got money, uh, white people this or like stereotypes around like blondes and you know, things like that. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't like we were talking about like politics. We weren't talking about history and relationships. We're talking about those things. So, you know, I have a five-year-old and I have a four-month-old now. Oh, really? So, Congrats. Like, thank you. So, like, um, so like, so my five-year-old, he's very smart. He's very um, in tune with everything. He has questions. Um, and we live in Amherst. Uh, so, for me, I want him to be very aware of white people. I don't want him 
Um, it sucks, but as a child, he can't yell and scream. Like like the other day, a couple weeks ago, we, 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 we were at the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and like, I got out the car and he liked to sit in the car. He rolled the window down and like watch me as I go to the ATM right there. And he'll, so he's watching me and like this white guy comes out the bank. Um, and often um, my son will say hi to people and people won't speak back. So like, th- th- um, it's like, and honestly, it's the majority of white people. But I always tell them like that, that aspect, I'd be like, if someone doesn't say hi to you, um, that's fine. Like, don't keep saying hi to them or whatever, just whatever. Like, people don't have to say hi to you. Like, that's not like a, a law or whatever. So, so like, I, I try to teach them those things. But then the other day when the, the white guy didn't speak to him, my son's like, hi, hi. And then he's like raising his voice, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm at the ATM, like inside the glass. And mm-hmm. it causes me to be like, like, look, like, what the hell is he doing? And then so I, I like go out and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm mad at him because I, I, I'm thinking he's just screaming. And I'm like, what are you like, what's wrong? You know, what are you doing? And he's like, I was trying to say hi. And he wasn't saying hi. So I was like trying to get him to say hi to me. Like, and I was like, so I had to get in the car and be like, yo, man, he like, listen, white people are not going to be responding to you in certain ways. And he doesn't even know like white, he, he knows skin color skin color so to speak but like my son is like if you've seen him he's probably like the color of like a drake so he's mm-hmm. like he's like he's like a, a like an in-between space like you like you might know because he has locks that he's black and he has thick hair but yeah. you know you see him you might think he might be mixed with white or something else so it's just like um I, I gotta tell him like yo like 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 baby like i'm not being mean to you like i want you to be able to have fun but like you have to be mindful very early that you can't just be screaming at those type of people at least. Like at least we'd be places like black people, he'd be like, yo. And then they'd be like, yo, 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 you know, and they'll like play <laughs> back with him. But white yeah. people would be like, and it's, it's just like, yo, like my like, he's not, he's a, first of all, he's a kid. The same one is like fucking like loosen up. Like, you know, so that I like I really have to have those conversations with him um about certain things. You know, I I wanna I wanna educate him on things, mm-hmm. but I don't I also don't wanna um give him more than what he's experiencing. Right. You know, I want to wait until he, he gets of age to, to give certain things. But then at the same time, it's like, he's young. So he might experience shit at a certain age where it's like, he shouldn't have to have five, but yeah. that's just how it is. Do you yeah. think it's like hard to find that balance of like what you can and can't say to him? Um, well, me, I, I'm the type of person, I don't have a filter. <laughs> um so like my son hears me talk the way I talk to adults he hears me you know so like um when I talk directly to him I might not use certain language as far as like profanity wise mm-hmm. um but I definitely try not to shy away from him and just let him know if if you know our kids like but why but why but <laughs> if he has a million questions about why something is or if it doesn't make sense I'll sit there and excuse me, I'll sit there and try a hundred times before I just let him be like, okay, just wait until you get older. Or or like, no, like I try to, like, like, like they have books for dummies. You know, <laughs> I try to dumb it down in, in a way. And, and even if he doesn't understand like like the dynamic of race, mm-hmm. um, he watches, he watches Power Rangers. He watches Ninja Turtles. Like he watches things where, where there's villains. He watches things 
where people treat people, the people are trying to be manipulative. There's always, a, and, every, and I found it funny the other day, I was saying, why is there a villain in every kid's show? Even if it's, um, you know, like he watches some show about like cupcake, like there's like a, two different bakeries and they like, they'd be like in competition. But one of the ladies is like a, a villain. She's always trying to like steal recipes. And I'm like, why is there always that person in kids shows that's like, but in, in this instance, it's, it's like, it's helpful because it allows me to be like, so you know how in Miraculous this happens or you know how in this, this happens. And I can explain it to him based on like what he knows, which is also how I'm trying to teach, you know, yeah. being able to use what people like and then connect it to, to things going on. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I mean, this is like our final question. So since the name of the podcast is is a vision, because I, I don't know if I introduced, but Belly's name is Isabelli. So that's why we decided on is a vision. Okay. And you know, my name is Isabella. <laughs> so since the name is, is a vision, we ask all of our guests what their vision for the future is. And you can take that to apply it to yourself, your family, society, however you like. What's going on today. Yeah. The, this week, if you know what I mean. Right. We're not talking about that. But. <laughs> this, is a very con- this is a very controversial opinion. Um, but I believe in separation mm-hmm. I believe in separation not in the sense of um law like forcing people to be like you can't do things um I think as humans we are very tribal anyway so whether we like the same artists we like the same you go to the same church whatever it is you know sneaker culture it is like there's so many different subcultures and everything in the world that we gravitate towards our own anyway and I see a world with separation in the sense of allowing people to live separately if that's what they want to do. Um, and then being able to interact and, you know what I mean? Like every, so like, for instance, like people, the first thought is like a race separation type thing, you know, we talk, whatever. So like you, you, you figure like you're, you're never going to get all black people to want to not live with white people. Like that's not a thing. But I think that black people should be able to have the opportunity to live in a black community amongst a, a thriving black community, um, something that you know that is basically like reproducing itself. Uh, we should be able to have our own businesses, um, things like that. Like a big, a, a good example is like the Nation of Islam. Um, people demonize uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, but the the Nation of Islam has a foundation. Um, it's for black people. They don't exclude white people. They have white allies, like they say, white allies and things in that nature. But they have grocery stores. They have universities. They have, you know, elementary and middle schools. They have uh, banks. They like they have all these different things where like they take care of themselves. And I think black people. It's, just, it's like you go to these towns. You go to Chinatown. You go to little Italy. You go to to, to you know. There's always little Greek. There's always these little places. And it's like people are able. Different cultures are able to thrive um, mm-hmm. amongst themselves you know even if I don't know if you ever been to Brooklyn um, or mm-hmm. you, you go to you go and it's everything's in Hebrew the Jews have it on lock you go to the other <laughs> side it's the, the Muslims have it on lock and they and you know what I mean it's like being able to have a space where like you can control it don't mean you hate nobody it don't mean you don't want to interact with nobody but I should be able to control my own space produce my own things without having a state and and people like in like regulating how that looks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really just, a future for me 
would 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 allow black people specifically. I think other races are allowed to do these things, mm-hmm. um, but I think that it would allow black people the space to be like to control our neighborhoods, you know, and especially instead of like gentrifying our neighborhoods. Like there's black developers all I know. I know four people right now who own ten properties apiece, and and mm-hmm. and, 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 wow. and like and like and like who who develop land and sell to people in our communities. And these are people from the streets who went from street life and, and transitioned into just a, a friend of mine that I grew up with, he's a little older than me. He just got elected into the state Senate in Massachusetts, the first Latino to ever be elected. And he's from my hood. He's from, like, I know him from the streets. He used to be my director at the YMCA. And you know how everybody in neighborhoods do these little, little side jobs growing up and like mm-hmm. to see people do that, it's like, yo, the things are obtainable. Like we can we can make these things happen, but you have to allow us to at least be able to make a decision and be like, I want to shop here and not here, or I want to get electricity with them and not, you know, it's, it's little yeah. things like that. I feel like people should be able to just like, like live, but now everybody want to run off the grid and they're just like, we shouldn't have to run off the grid and, and like, right, <laughs> yeah. <you> yeah. <laughs> Oh, but do you think that's attainable, like, with the current government? Like, because they just want to disenfranchise the Black community so much. They just want to block everything. Yeah. I honestly don't see anything drastically changing in this country unless we have a civil war. People call me crazy. I have very extreme views, but I honestly think, I want to say I'm an advocate for a civil war, but I think we need some type of civil unrest other than destroying businesses and in, 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 in the streets because um, you see other countries, they fight their government with rocks and sticks and, 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 you know, all type of man-made things. We have a lot of access to a lot of things um, that we don't even test our government. We don't even, we don't test the police, let alone the army and things like that. You know, you see these countries go to war and over in Africa or, or you know, South America, these different countries. And it's like the, the, the people have enough. And they're not saying nothing's perfect or things have changed for them in a way that like in a drastic way. But those people had enough. Like it's either, it's either we're going to make something happen or we're not. Um, but I don't see that happening mm-hmm. um, either. You know what I mean? So it's like it's one of those things where it's just like I've come to the realization that like I'm honestly just like, preparing myself to die and leave something for whoever I create or my family that's like still going to be here because I don't have control over those things I'm just trying to like be like okay I, like 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 in my life I know I needed money I know I needed some type of land I know I needed certain type of things to get through so I want to at least leave those things with the next or next generation or two so they can have a head start on it to be like all right we're gonna like I can start at 10 instead of starting at 31 or whatever. So it was like, I don't see nothing changing. I think the whole world needed to just blow up. And then, <laughs> and Wait, then let me like tell you though, like you're you're not the only, only one to think that because bro, I'm on like on TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but let me just mention yeah. real quick. They're always going on about like, yo, like a civil war is going to happen. Like after all of this, like just wait for it, just wait for it. Like you're not the only one who thinks that. Like because yeah. of everything that's been going on, like, like you said, like people have had enough, but I feel like the way everything's yeah. structured here, like I understand where what you're what you're trying to say. Like it's it's gonna like I feel like the way that we're structured and like the fear that's implemented in us, it's gonna be so hard to reach that like I've had enough. Yeah. To the point where they'll act yeah. on it. So I understand what you mean. 
but i think the next generation yeah, takes a lot of organizing her. yeah yeah oh yeah 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 for sure at least like like the ones that's five six right now mm-hmm. like 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 so for instance like 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 the kids the the kids who are five being able to be you know when it comes to gender identity being right. able to like born born a man but being able to at seven be like no i'm a i'm a girl and mm-hmm. and and the, and the little five-year-old black kid who's raised around the the certain politics like all this shit right now when those kids get 2021 20, they already been through all of this because i never experienced none of this when i was a kid or right. if i seen a you know when it came to gender or certain things we weren't talking about these things or we didn't mm-hmm. know we knew we, we might have knew like gay and bisexual people but we didn't know people who were so much like you know you know out gender this and things like that and like the world's changing in a, in a way like that that i think definitely in the next generation or two like we might be surprised on how like the laws change and mm-hmm. and the whole dynamic of it changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But that's all we have. If you want to share any social media, any other resources, if not, no worries. Any no, books you want to share? I don't got none yet. I'm about to start doing some social media stuff, but I don't got nothing yet. All right. Um, Let us know when you yeah, fund your school. <laughs> I know. I right. will do. All right. Thank you so much, Ivan. Nope. Yeah. Have a good one. Whoop, you Bye. too. <laughs>